Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. I'm actually a little bit... I perked up a little bit. This is the last episode. You're perkier. I think it's because the Gibson um, discussion is over. Yeah. Um, that it, one was like a non-issue for me. Yes. So Same. Uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jim, I I got to I gotta say some stuff. Yes. I got to say some stuff. You do. Um, if, if people are listening regularly, they can join the Practical Guitars Facebook group, and they can review us on iTunes or Stitcher, or whatever other service they use to download our podcast, including Podbean. Podbean. Uh, you can reach out to us directly via the Practical Guitars Podcast at gmail.com. We have a string challenge going. Uh, contest rules will be posted soon. Uh, and we'll start posting clips, hopefully in a month or so. Um, this has been a long-term test, so you can listen back to previous episodes to hear more about that. Yeah, so many, so many of these things, it's like, I just put these strings on yesterday. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, now I put these strings on five minutes ago. Ding, 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 ding. And I put these strings on two and a half minutes ago. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, but how do they sound at the end of a whole song? Or how do they sound, you know, when they've been on the guitar for at least an hour? I mean, yeah, we don't have to be like those folks that never change their strings. We're not bass players, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Boil them. (laughs) There are I've people actually who love guitar the sounds. There, there are folks that love the sound of old, old guitar strings. I'm not one of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially the, uh, the uh, nickel ones. Yeah. You know. But anyway, um, I have a new segment for us where we can talk about music we've been listening to over the last week. Yes. Because as guitarists, we listen to a lot of freaking music, um, some of which we probably don't even like, but we just want to cop the stuff that yeah. That they're doing and yeah. learn compositional stuff from it. Yep. Um, so I've been on, as I mentioned in the previous episode, um, I spent some time at our annual conference uh, last week. And to calm my nerves, um, when I got a few minutes, I would listen to music. Um, this last week, and, and because I'm not even going to preface it that way. This last week, I started listening to the Cars uh, quite a bit. Oh, I and love the Cars! I love cer- the Cars. Certain albums I've liked more than others now. Um, if you haven't listened to the Cars, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. Um, <laughs> their music is used all over the place, film, etc. Um, and I, you know, it's so synth-driven. And it's so simple that it's never been something that appealed to me, but I think it's kind of that punk rock rock sensibility about it right. that actually is now what's appealing to me a little bit more. It's the idea that, you know, you can just grind some chords out and uh, have a really catchy solo and a really catchy hook and write a song. None of their songs are over three minutes, really. I mean... No, not really, no. You got a couple... You know, okay, so I'm going to talk to your really simple part. <laughs> All right, so my best friend's girlfriend... Uh-huh. That that solo is, I mean, it's not a Steve Vai or a Joe Satriani. No, solo, but, but it's 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 more reminiscent of the Knack. Exactly. And, uh, we that, know how crazy that guy is. So I mean, not Elliot everything Easton's can be an drive. incredible guitar player. 
Oh, and to yeah. be able to take a simple structure, which is kind of what I'm doing in the band that I'm in right now, yep. taking simple structures and then writing complex parts that appeal to my sensibilities as a musician is not an easy process. Right. I mean, to come up with something that's repeatable and it sounds good is not an easy process. I've been so. moving to where I'm playing more um, two-note lines versus one-note lines. Oh, you're using uh, double stops. Yeah, I'm trying to add double stops and moving chords. So let's take a simple song, like um, uh, the song of, um, uh, from The Breakfast Club, Don't You Forget About Me, right? Yeah. And uh, I play, I don't play the three chords. It's just E, D, and A. And there's a, there's a bridge that has a C and a G and a D and an A. That's it. Right, right. The whole song is those five chords. And and really it's a three chord repeated pattern other you know other than the couple yeah. the intro and the and the bridge. So <clears throat> if you take that and you look at it, um I've been trying to I've been working out a thing because I watched the guy play it live and he's not playing those three chords. And I said, All right, let me see what I can do under that. And I started listening um to some of their live stuff and I found that he's playing like a he's still playing those chords, but he's playing moving chords between them. So how do yeah. you get I mean Getting from E to D, not exactly an incredible Yeah, he's, thing, he's walking bass lines and all that, right? Right. But he's walking lines that are above, like the bass is doing... Yeah, he's using uh, chord melody. Right. And that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to work in chord melody that says it's Jim, not that says it's whatever that guy's name is. It says it's Jim. And I'm trying to come up with ways that I can move chord melodies that are interesting, but not repeated. So maybe... I'll go this way, and then I'll go this way, and then I'll go this way, and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, just if you know the melody, you can dance around it. Right. You know? Um, And what can you play to harmonize over an E, or what can you play to harmonize over a D or an A that still is interesting, still remains in the key and is diatonic, so it doesn't go clank, but still sounds good. One of my favorite things to do is to pick apart a song that has a very integral harmony part Yep. that's two guitars. And arrange it for one guitar. Yeah. And it is a lost art. And if you're playing in a cover band and you're the only guitarist, you better learn to do it because there That's are right. times where it really helps. And it can be um, real boring. Now, perfect perfect example is Whipping Post. Yeah. I was going to say there's so Southern rock is full, full of this kind of thing. Whether you're talking, um, of course, you're Skinner. Skinner, yeah. that's who I was going to mention. Um, Almond Brothers, as you mentioned. Um, Molly Hatchet. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, that guy, Molly, he could play. <laughs> <laughs> Those who know Molly Hatchet, no, there's no Molly Hatchet. But yep. guys like that, <clears throat> bands like that, you know, 38 Special, not so much. They were kind of poppy in their, in their sensibilities. Um, uh, the Outlaws was another one, if you want to listen to music that has that style of stuff. So I was listening to The Outlaws this week, um, the one that goes... And man, you want to talk about some moving um, uh, diets. And <laughs> holy shit, that song is <laughs> full, full of stuff that just takes off. And that ending solo where Tommy, what's his face? What, I can't remember. I, I want to say it's Thompson or something. Just takes off into like the stratosphere. Well, I think for a lot of people, when they get into doing those uh, those two note those um, you call them dyads, and that's that's truthfully what they are. But doing dyads with uh, 
double stops on guitar. Yep. It, it so I've been doing it for years by just I know the I know the shell the scale shapes enough that I could get away with just doing it on the fly. Right, right. But the th- but the thing is um it's really freeing when you realize you don't have to stick to those scale shapes that you can pull in color tones from outside the scale. That's what I was going to say. So taking it also confusing as shit too. <laughs> correct. But I've been trying to take the dyads. Okay. Now we all know, like let, let's say I was going to play a C dyad, right? So if I was going to play uh, um, a C dyad, C over E, right? If I was in the major key, yeah. right? So, but what There's if I third. played E over C, you know, in other words, playing the, um, the uh, inner uh, the the inversion. Or yeah, the you can inversions. play inversions, or you don't have to stick to thirds. You can do fifths and right. all sorts of other harmonies. Uh, I like to do sevenths, ninths, elevenths, and yeah. it, then you almost get into chordal harmony by doing the same thing. Where yep. your uh, chord melody, what we were talking about earlier, where you can literally have two in completely independent lines doing feudal or like fugal type stuff. Right. Um, which is really cool. I've done that kind of thing before too, um, but it's challenging once you get to that point. Exactly, and it really keeps you on your toes. That's what I was trying to get at. Is it right. like I can play? I can play like everybody. Well, not everybody, but a lot of folks. Okay, I know I'm in C. I know what the you know C major, nice and easy. I know the key. I know how to move you know up and down with these dyads. But what if I use inversions and force myself? to think differently about sure. the same key um, and use, instead of um, uh, adjacent strings, skip a string. Yep. You know? Yep. And, uh, I like wide intervals, and that's yeah. that's an easy way to, to break up that dyad monotony because there's obviously some very common shapes you use over and over, and you can climb scales and stuff. But once you go, you know what? I'm going to go an octave higher for this next for the next third or something. Like, it can get really crazy. Right, or even, even skip... Um, two strings or three strings, right? Force yourself to put that pinky in a place you never would have thought, and and that you know that index finger. Because yep. when you're the nice thing about being in a band with two guitars, and you've been there, um, is that you are freed to go way, way outside, yeah, and still be able to play within the key. Now, yes, it, it, there is a trick to using non-diatonic tones to move in and out. Sure, but you have to know. Do I sit on that non-diatonic tone? Do I? Yeah, you, you a, get a gut. You get a gut feel for it too, though. Right. Especially if you feel the rhythm of the song. I mean, if, I, yes, there are people that are tone and rhythm deaf, deaf yes. who can't who can't <laughs> pick up on that stuff. But I mean, if you if you feel the music and you can like hum the tune, I guess I, it's fairly easy to figure out where your color tones are available or what color tones appeal to you. And the guy that I really got a lot of my sensibilities in that department from was Jimmy Page. I mean, that yeah. guy could use a flat fifth I know. anywhere, but, anywhere. <laughs> but the thing about Jimmy Page, yeah, so he knew how to use demolished chords. <laughs> demolished. I love it. A friend yes, of mine used to call diminished so, chords demolished Well, chords. no, it, it, there's a term for it. It's called tone, tone clusters, Jim. Right. And it's literally like taking your arm on a piano and going, ah, but play all these things. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, you listen to, like, um, honestly, when I was a kid, so I listened to a lot of um, uh, pop music, and I listened to a lot of um, uh, orchestral music as a child. So sure. um, guys like Page and, and Hendrix and Townsend, as a child, I, I, it hurt. It literally Yeah, it didn't make sense. Hurt. It's so atonal. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like somebody was, 
nails on a chalkboard screeching into my, because I was so used to a certain structure in music. I don't think, I don't think I grew out of that until a few years ago, actually, because I was still like, I would not have listened to a band like Mastodon seven or eight years ago. It just wouldn't have happened because I would have been like, I don't really, I'm not able to discern what's really going on here. Yeah. Um, there are still bands out there like that. Like I still can't stand Cradle of Filth that way. Yeah, I hear I, that band and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? It's just tremolo picking." Like, yeah, I listen to Scott Henderson. I like his music um, because of the way he brings jazz to you know um, the the. I don't know. I, I don't want to call it mainstream because he's certainly not a mainstream jazz player. But I'm not big on jazz. I mean, I'm not a huge jazz fan. And yet I love, you know, I love to listen to certain guys like that. I'm looking, there's a, there's a guy and I forget what his fucking name is. I'm looking for him right now. Well, I've been, while you're looking for that, I've been listening to a lot of music that is not guitar. I actually sat and listened to Barry Manilow's greatest hits. um, And then I listened to um, the Captain and Tennille's greatest hits the other day. All right. So you know who, you know who's nails (laughs) on the chalkboard to be, Jim? Captain and Tennille. No, actually. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I, I, no, because that shit's like, all right, it's pop music. It, is. it appeals to everyone, whether exactly. you like it or not. Exactly. <laughs> there is a certain um, thing about Muskrat Love. Although I prefer America's version. They wrote this. But go yeah, ahead. Amer- I like America, too. Um, freaking the the guy that the, and, and, and he he polarizes people because I've, I've seen this go both ways. But the guy that's nails on a chalkboard to me and, the, and a, a more... A different, a very different way than just being abrasive in terms of their tonality. Henry Kaiser, you're this oh, Joker. Yeah, yep. Henry oh Kaiser. Oh my God, how does this man even have a career? I don't know. I honestly don't know. And I've had people come to me and be like, "You just don't get it, man." Listen, I'll listen to Philip Fucking Glass. I ain't <laughs> listening to that shit. <laughs> I'll listen to Broken Glass, but I will. Yeah, not I, I mean. I, I I I in college I prided myself on being able to listen to avant-garde music and not being like this is strange like like King Crimson that kind of stuff I love that stuff but then I hear Henry Kaiser and I'm like what the fuck is yeah. this oh my god it's like it's like a guy like throw threw his cat in the dryer and recorded it <laughs> I mean he was nice do enough. not throw your cat in the dryer I don't want to yeah hear but he had to he had to throw I his microphone my... in there with him <laughs> yeah no shit. Oh my God! The microphone's just banging around. Henry Kaiser. Henry Kaiser. Go look him up if you haven't seen him before. He does have some more conventional music, but other stuff is just like, what the hell are you doing? I'm trying to remember. Is that Kaiser K A Y or K A I? It's Henry K A I S E R. Yep. So, yeah, as I said, I was listening to. I've been listening to um, uh, Barry Manilow and Captain Tennille and. A lot of that pop stuff from the um, 70s and even the late 60s. Because I love Kieran Carpenter's voice, just everything that in the Carpenters. I, I could listen to the Carpenters catalog all day long. Um, it's just, she eat, listening to her sing is like eating ice cream for me. It's just <laughs> an incredibly spiritual feeling that I get when I listen to her. Um, anyway, uh, and the reason is because... By listening to non-guitar music, um, I have to come up with another way to play the song. I can't yeah. play the song as a guitar. I mean, I know there's guitar parts. You know, you listen to even Mandy's got guitar parts in it. But 
I'm listening to the piano. What is Barry Manilow doing with the piano that I can do? Or what is, sure. what is um, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, you know, the captain, Captain Tennille got divorced. I couldn't believe it. It's so sad when that happened. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was, I was, you know, but it got me to thinking about, you know, um, uh, Sonny and Cher. But what, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you can take those. Uh, so I've been, I know you don't like the guy, but that um, Fricker. Uh, Glenn Fricker. Glenn Fricker. His channel. Um, Spectre Sounds. Anyway, um, as far as, uh, he had this thing where he had metal players doing versions of 80s tunes. Yeah, yeah. Did I did I talk about this already before? No, but no, but we go ahead because I because I have some stuff to glue in on this, and then we can get to our real topic. Yeah, because this is this is some interesting stuff. So he he had these guys um, playing the songs. Well, then he had a reaction, his own reactions, when he was sitting with Paul Henning uh, in Germany last week or yeah. before, and um, I had to laugh because honestly, he he's sitting there talking about this. And um, then he goes, yeah, that was a crappy song from the 80s. And Paul goes, hey, um, you know, this isn't a crappy song because it couldn't be good. You could put all the lipstick you want on a pig. You can't make the pig not a pig. He said that, you know, a good song is a good song. You may not like the version, but a good song is a good song. And I I started thinking about that. I was looking back at my old, you know, musical um, catalogs. That I had, and just that that pervades into where I think you know you can take just about any song. We're we're my band is working up a version of um, the safety dance, yeah, and we're trying to make it fun and a little bit rocking, but still not you know simplistic and boring. Go ahead, you were going to bring us to another another point, but um, I just wanted to you know. To bring that up, that good songs are good songs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were talking about Henry Carriage a minute ago. Before we move on to the next, uh, the next topic here. Yeah. Um, I'm looking. At, this is the uh, the Dumble Wikipedia page, and it's got notable players and Dumble amplifiers because Henry Kaiser plays oh, uh, no. Dumble. His <laughs> pair of them. Let, okay, so I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna read you some people that won't surprise you, and then I will read you one name that you'll be like, what? Henry Kaiser, so okay. we just talked about it. Joe yep. Bonamassa. Yep. Um, that doesn't surprise Steve, me. Stevie Ray Vaughan. What? Carlos. Stevie Ray Vaughan played a Dumble? I yeah, can't he, believe it. Yeah, I had heard yeah. something about that once. Carlos Santana, uh, John Mayer, Robin Ford, Larry Carlton, uh, Sonny Landreth, uh, Eric Clapton. Um, here's where it gets fun. Jackson Brown. Um, really? He has multiple, actually. He has Why the don't first. You stay? He, he has the first Overdrive special, Just a, a Dumbleland, and a Steel String singer, uh, Don Felder. Oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me really. Here's the one that kills me though: Kirk Hammett. Really? <laughs> that while that does not surprise me, it surprises me. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Just because Kirk, they picture Kirk, Kirk Hammett with. Mesa boogies and you know obviously overdriven uh, marshals and stuff like that. I don't picture him as a double guy. Hang on one now second. Now, what does Kirk Hammett really play? I am not a Kirk Hammett fan, folks. So when you say, "Oh my God, triple that Rex. guy should have known," he play- okay, I was right. Mesa's. Yeah, I think triple he's tri- triple Rex now, but um, 
He w- I know they used Mark II C pluses at one point, and he's used Marshalls and stuff before too. Yeah. Um, the other the other interesting thing about that, that is fine. Bob Rock is also in this list as having mo- modified and serviced his amp- amplifiers with Dumble before, and you know why that is. I mean, yeah, Bob Rock's got to have a collection of everything because Bob Rock is. I mean, obviously he he produced um, uh, Metallica, but he's produced a lot of different things. I mean. <clears throat> Wasn't Bob Rock behind Hurt? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I just, I just don't understand it. Like well, Kirk Hammett and Dumble, like Larry Carlton, I get Robin Ford, I get John Mayer, I get Carl Santana, I get Stephen Ray Vaughan, but fucking Kirk Hammett. So if you, I mean, I yeah, mean, he's right. a Mesa player. Like that's kind of what he's known for: Mesa and high gain. Yes, not just Mesa Diesels, Mesas, yep. Marshalls. Yep, Soldano. Yeah. I'm not. Okay, so I'm not surprised only because Kirk Hammett is a bit of a follower. As much as he innovated, and he did innovate in the, in the thrash world, he's one of the few, few thrash players that really brought in musicality um, at the level he did. I mean, he and Cliff Burton really were um, a, a, a fantastic pair. Um, and I think after Cliff's death, we started to see... Um, I, I, I'm all right with the black album. I think the black album load reload. You can keep those. You keep everything. I, I, I'm pretty much done with them. Yeah. I'm looking at a gear list of his, by the way. Um, what here's, here's amps that he's notable for using dual rack, dual rack, or signature head, uh, signature half stack, the MP and the Ampeg SVT pro, um, which that one's kind of weird. Um, Randall, uh, he's got a Randall signature. I think he still has that. J- uh, the JCM 2000, uh, Super Leads, uh, Mark II C pluses, and a diesel. There you go. That, so, none of that really surprises me. No, but then, the, 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 notice this gear list does not include his double. No, no. Because he's not famous for a double. I know he's used AC30s and stuff too, but. I, I remember an interview with him in Guitar World. Remember when magazines were being read? Um, uh-huh. he, uh, he was talking about, you know, when they came out with St. Anger and I know there are fans of St. Anger. I'm, I, like I said, you can keep, I think the garage band was a garage band or garage band incorporated or something. That was when they garage did all the covers. Garage yeah. That was a pretty good album. I, I enjoyed the covers they did. Um, but, uh, I, at least two of them. I love their version of turn the page was really good. And I thought their version of, um, What's the Irish tune? Yeah, I don't think uh, I've even ever listened to that album, to be honest with you. Well, they, they did a, a cover of an Irish tune that Thin Lizzy also did. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty good. I, I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name of the tune. I can hear the, the riff in my head. Um, but anyway, they... How do I say this? They were... The... <clears throat> Um, Hammett said, oh, we don't want to play solos because people don't want to hear solos anymore. No, that was the time when people weren't playing solos on albums and they wanted to join into the don't play out solos on albums. That whole screamo emo period of the um, early 2000s. Oh, no, it was before that, Jim. That was new metal. That was okay. the new metal movement. And you yeah. with the little dots over it, metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Which is horse shit. They, and they didn't play c- solos either. No, none of them did really. I mean, the closest you came was Mark Tremonti did some lead lines and Creed songs. Oh, God, Creed, come on! 
You know, it's funny, though. Like, Mark Trotty actually turned out to be a pretty damn good guitar player. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. think he was at the time, too. I just think he, like, hit it. It's the whole Scott Stapp thing, or Stapp. Yeah, he's a... Don't even get me started. Strap. Strap Scott. on. Strapless. I'm oh, sure. my God. Scott Strapless. Start Scott I, Strap on. I think you're managing to offend everybody all at once, Jim. Pretty great. much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went for the... I went for the gut on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, uh, yuck. Um, now I'm trying to find that. Uh, uh, by the way, I'm going to settle an old debate here. Creed is not a religious band. Their name is fucking Creed! <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, and our worship uh, group wants to do uh, One by Creed. So yeah. I about spit my water out when you said that. Oh, my God. I know, right? For All right. Okay, whiskey in the jar. That was the song I was trying to think of. Here's a transition bit. Um, I had an ongoing thing where I was trying to get kicked out of three gear groups. Yep. I wanted to get kicked out of, of um, uh, the P Dubs group for uh, Gear Talk. I've never joined that one. I wanted to get kicked out of that one. I wanted to get kicked out of Harmony Central, which I have been kicked out of Harmony Central, and I wanted to get banned from the Gear Page permanently. I didn't know that Harmony Central had a gear group. Oh, yeah, no, it is a gear group. That's mostly what it is. No, it used to Facebook. be a big forum thing. Yeah. You, I, oh, I'm no, no, I mean, no, I mean, on like uh, the forums. Yeah. Like, I want to get banned from these three three guitar culture things. What so, was the last one? Uh, uh, The gear page. The gear page. Never been on that either. Yeah. Um, the gear page is filled with cork sniffers. Yep. Um, I knew I knew after reading a couple of things that I could, I was like, yeah, not really. P-dubs is filled with people that you're not really quite sure if they're trolling or not. Um, and then, uh, it asks to be trolled. Harmony central is like the, the, like the pit of the internet, pretty much. It's yeah. like the arm, armpit of the guitar culture on the internet. You know, there was a time when harmony central, the thing about harmony central that I loved when it was, when it was the forum that it was in the two thousands, early two thousands. Yeah. When it was a BBS forum. <laughs> right. And, and, um, uh, uh, one of the earliest, you know, before we went to MySpace and everything else. Yeah. Um, it was every kind of musician, so it was a practical musician that you could go there and ask. Okay, I need to. I need. Yeah, to the know. gear page is that way too. Ear mo- in ear monitors were new, and it was like, how the f- am I supposed to put an ear? Do you pull one out? All that other stuff. And now it's like, it, just like the you know the cork sniffers, like you said with the with the, um uh, what'd you say the the P P and W P and W dubs P dubs. I just, I'm not going to join a group of people who troll themselves. I'm not when sure. they're supposed to be Christian. Well, that's the thing, Jim. And, and I'm like, you know pa- what? You guys are real assholes. I, I will put my heart in my sleeve. I am a Christian and I am in P-dubs. So I, I don't, I don't play in church. Not I am in P-dubs and I am looking at what people post there and just laughing my ass off. Cause I'm like, are you, re- you really think it's going to make you closer to God to play a PRS? I, like, what in the fuck is wrong with you? I need that four hundred dollar pedal because that's gonna make me better. It's gonna make the you know what the people in my congregation when sing along pe- just fine, and all I'm playing through is a freaking pedal straight to the board. When people talk about the Holy Trinity and it's really three Strymon pedals, yeah, then you know there's a fucking problem. Yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, they've got to have the they've got to have the blue the what is it the big sky or the blue sky or whatever. They've got to have the um, uh, El Capistan or the the big no. It's the big sky. It's the um, it's the big box pedals. The big sky, the timeline, and the Mobius. 
you got to have all three of those, which means you have to have a special power supply. Okay. And then, and then you, the overdrive pedals, they have to be either custom made or the most expensive overdrive pedals you can get your hands on. And you got to have three of them. You have to have a light drive. You have to have a medium game drive. And then you have to have a, a heavy drive. Heavy draw. And I don't understand. Like I've never, I've listened to, to some praise and worship music because I've been in P dubs just to see what it's all about. And I have never heard them actually kick on the higher gain drive. And here, never. yeah, I was just going to say it's always super compressed. So the high gain drive is not there. And, and if it's, so we were talking about that, that music I was listening to, who was, Oh, Boston. So I listened to Boston today and as much as, you know, I, I respect everything that, um, Schultz did. I'm not so sure that he had great tone. Um, a lot of the, a lot of that stuff was a wall of overcompressed, yeah. oversaturated guitar. And what I hear in PW music, when I listen to some of this music, first of all, I'm not taking away from the message. Okay. I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that, oh, now Jim's slamming on PW music. I absolutely love a lot of the, the message that comes from this music. That said, I'm not hearing music that needs a time and strime or a strime and timeline. A time and strime. You want to play plays and worship music these days? All you have to do is watch YouTube and do exactly what the Edge does. Right. Why not just get a Boss ME80 and be done with it? That's what I'm just thinking. Well, or if you've got to spend money because you've got the budget, go and get a Helix. Do you think the congregation? cares not if you're bit. using a zoom 5052 the little silver pedal <laughs> exactly. or or a helix now i'll give you that some of these folks are playing to a thousand folks they're, they're playing to a thousand people in that place right and so it's nice to have the flexibility of being able to go direct and those kinds of things and i guess absolutely that. and that's why i'm saying a helix would be fine in something like that you're not going to be the focus ever 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 funny, of that music the, the funniest thing i've seen is um Guy's amp blew up or whatever, so he brought in uh, he brought in an amp plug. Or actually, the sound guy came in with a, one of those Vox amp plugs. Yep, because his amplifier just blew up, so oh, he just yeah. plugged it in. AC thirty direct to the board sounded great. He's like, it sounded incredible. He's like, I was so happy with my tone that day. Yeah, just think about it. Like, you don't need all that shit, especially when you're playing in church. Don't make it harder on yourself than it has to be. I I can't believe focus on worshiping. You I know? honestly can't believe. Now again, I'm not putting it down. It's your thing. Do your thing. You do your. But I'm just saying that for me, I don't think I would ever log that much that much gear in for four freaking songs. I and need to some take, of them might do six. I, mean, I need to take a moment before we switch topics and thank my wife for bringing me this glorious, delicious, wonderful burrito and the middle finger that's being displayed in my head right now. <laughs> I was going to say, she just... She I just, love you, Mandy. Please. And they sent you please. away, oh, Mandy. Yeah. So, um... Please, please don't shoot me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I, I can't see the, the work that people... I, I respect the work that people do when they bring that much gear to a gig that... That has six songs or four songs. Typically, you're gonna have four songs. Look at that! Say she's so sweet. There's Look a milkshake here. here now too. Oh, Holy shit! You know the eagle has landed. There's a, there's a Benny Benny Hill skit I have to send you that. That's what she's doing. She, has, what's your life insurance policy look like? 
Oh, it looks like I'm going to be dead. <laughs> That's what my life insurance policy looks like. So I want to bring up, before we do too much transition, I want to bring up, there was a couple of things that the, the um, <clears throat> gear community, or the community in the um, gear, uh, the practical guitarist talked about this week. So Lindsay Sean Sheldon um, showed us his uh, uh, cyber twin rig. Thanks, Lindsay. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic, man. Fantastic. I see he's running a, a Boss EQ, 7-band uh, EQ into there. Really good. And And again, we... Don't have any hate for the Cyber Twin. I think it's. I think it was a great amp. I think what happened was it's just an interesting history. Too early. It's just an interesting history lesson. Like, and uh, it's a cool piece if you see one somewhere and you can get a deal on it. Buy it, check it out for a while. I mean, hell, if it breaks, it breaks. But at least it's a museum piece at that point. Um, I want to thank uh, Jason Fuzzmonger for his input, and I'm hoping to talk to him more about um, being another input to my decision on Fuzz. Uh, Obviously, I, doing '80s music at some point, I'm gonna have to get a fuzz pedal. I'm just oh, you're doing '80s music. You just go big up. I just yeah, that's what I. I'm wondering if I. So I saw this thing that was used that I really like the look of. It's called the muffin. Okay, the English muffin. Yeah, it's uh, by uh, say it. It's got the same um, look as the the um, the big muff, but it's like an English thing. It's called muffin. Yeah. Um, I have to distortion look at it. pedal, and, and yeah. it's it's muffin is an M U F F N. Yeah, so. big muffin is big muffin deal, and it's electro harmonics. There it is, and there's one locally for a hundred bucks. And I'm wondering, oh, that is that what we would be? You know what I mean? It's the Electro even, Harmonics English Muffin Tube Distortion That preamp. is a tube distortion preamp, not a fuzz. And it actually has... Yeah, I know. And I was like, oh, there's a... Oh, that's not a fuzz. I was like, wow, I love the sound of this thing. Listen to all these demos. This is pretty good. Oh, it's not a fuzz. <laughs> the th you know, well, the thing with those... The, um, the EHX big box pedals with the tubes in them, yep. like they did the hot tubes distortion and stuff like that, yep. those... Um, those particular pedals... Did not run the tubes at high voltage. Yep. And so you're not really getting a lot of benefit from them being there. No. Um, but the, but it's a cool gimmick, I guess. It and is. you have to have an, an outrageous power supply to power these two. Yep. Yep. So. Uh, they they have their own power supply. You have to get them with their power supply. But it's there's one here locally. I I was looking at a radial tone bone a long time ago. Uh huh. You know, um, that's another one. But I'm thinking. You know, I'm probably more a distortion pedal guy than a, a... Yeah, Jim. That's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> you don't have to like fuzz! We don't, we've been through this! <laughs> I know, I feel like I'm over a, over a barrel here. You know, I'm thinking... You don't have to! <clears throat> do I have to do it? You know, and I'm doing my music. You know... Um, Most people don't like me, metal zones! Let me look at this. Let me show you something. So, um, we're, We started to put some new songs into the into the uh, mix, right? Yep. And uh, hopefully this won't actually start playing. Because um, I just want to look at the, the list. Oh. So, I hate myself for loving you. Okay. Um, working for the weekend. Okay. I actually um, getting a little help from Sam Miller on Africa. Okay. Um, the safety dance. 
There's a guy that from Frog Leap Studios. He's an overseas guy who has a really cool metal version of that. We're not going to do the part that he put in there, but other than that, it's pretty cool. Uh, Dancing with Myself. Okay. Another one that we're, we're adding in. You're going to play some Ramones, huh? What, Dancing with Myself? You need to get some uh, Misfits in your set. No. <laughs> oh. No, you can get some Misfits in there, though. Misfits. I could totally do it. See you doing some Glenn Danzig. Come on. Oh my god. Hell gosh. yeah, dude. I'm I'm a little scared of that, actually. So yeah, those are some of the music that, that we're adding in that uh recently because we're looking at, you know, making sure that we maintain that musicality and that um hey. sing along thing. So so you do cover music. Um here's a yep. good question for you. What's the uh, royalty situation on that? Like do you pay royalties to ASCAP or BMI? <laughs> so nope. Yeah. So the 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 um clubs that you play in, you want to make sure that they've got and they, and you can ask to see it. Um an ASCAP, BMI, they they only have to have one. They can have both, but they usually Yeah, and I think it's like what, twenty bucks a year or something? Oh, it's, it's a lot more than that. It's pretty expensive. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a few hundred dollars. Well, we- we at work, we have to have it, and I know we pay. I know yeah. we pay for it, but it's they. They told me it's like not even. It's, it's like twenty bucks. But yeah, for you guys, it is because you're not. Um, the difference between what you're doing and what we're doing is we're playing music and we're being paid to play that. Music. And you're actually taking in money for that music, whereas we're not actually taking in money for the music, but we're using the music and it's part of something we're taking in money from. So. Yeah, there was an interesting um, thing. I was at a Best Buy, and um, a. Uh, it was Christmas time, and somebody thought they'd be cute. One of the workers there, and they stuck a um, uh, the the Chipmunks DVD or song <laughs> in the you know the the Chipmunks Christmas thing, which I grew up on that album. I love that album, and they stuck that into the um, a CD player. Remember CD players? They were this weird. Yeah, the the disc man thing. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Anyway, he stuck it in the CD player, and he had it over the um, loudspeakers, and the manager ran over there and shut it off. And he was like, you can't do that. You yeah. cannot do that. We can only listen to the music that's piped in. So, yeah, there's a, um, so there's a, there's a fee that goes out. And YouTube does the same thing. So it used to be that YouTube, um, they would say, oh, can't have covers. You can do that now. You can play any cover you want. Um, and any money that you make, a piece of that money will get paid to the to the proper royalty groups. So right. YouTube has a, a um, ASCAP slash BMI thing as yeah, well. Yeah, and they negotiate that, and you know you're yep. supposed to report the amount of material yep. that either gets used or whatever. But <clears throat> right, but guys fine. like guys like Don Henley will get you pulled down. Yeah, well, I know at least uh, one local club had to close because they there was a band that was performing Led Zeppelin's music and they got wind of it. And yep, and I think shut them down. I don't know now that Prince is gone that somebody would run after you so fast, but I would not play a Prince cover. I think yeah, I think at this point that that's probably starting to that flip around. Be, but I would yeah. you definitely want to get some clarity on that before you do it because I know I've seen. Uh, Prince music was not listed as part of Apple Music, and it's already been flipped over. Yep. So. Yep, that might have changed, but I know a few years ago you could not play a... Well, I'm not saying bands didn't get away with it, but you certainly didn't see any Prince um, uh, music listed on the bands. Like, when you put your webpage up or you put your um, uh, your set list, that, yeah. that set list online 
is so that the place can go, no, can't play that. Yeah. Take it off. They can, they can do that. And so there are legal um, ramifications playing particular music. You want to be careful, you know, because you don't want to get shut down. You don't want to get the place that you just played in shut down because you were playing, like you said, Led Zeppelin music. Although, right. let's face it, I've, I've been to 100 blues clubs. And somebody pulls out Black Dog or they pull out, you know. Yeah, and a lot of the and a lot of the old like blues standards are copy left anyway because they were you know performed by guys like Robert Johnson or whatever, and they were and they were handed down from somebody else. And nobody knows who originally wrote them. So, um, the one I can think of right off the top of my head is uh, "Hey Joe." That's that's copy left because yeah. nobody knows who wrote it. So, so another one of our posts on the site, John Osborne, he brought up an interesting point that I'd like to speak to for a second, and that is, he said. Dave, th- um, first, thanks for um, that episode of my question about um, home practice amps. Also, I hope we answered it, by the way, Dave, or yeah. John. Um, also, listening today, you were talking about chasing Hendrick's tone. Strings are key. Look up um, RJ Ronquillo video, Ronquillo or Ronquillo video about uh, Hendrix string gauges. I can tell you from experience that helps. Um, yeah. That's a big part of it. You know what the bigger part is, though? Having your pickups reversed. Yep. Yep. Um, he had, remember, his bridge pickup went the other way. Went the other way, and the magnet stagger was backwards, too. Right. Because of that, magnet stagger is backwards. So well, no, it's the, the magnet staggers because it's upside down, and he strung it upside down. That's so, what I'm saying. That, yeah. he strung it upside right. down. So it was backwards. Yeah. So, okay, Jim. <laughs> that, well, okay. It, upside Fair down, enough. backwards, however you want to say it. Yeah, it was whatever. not the right. way it was. <laughs> and I had a friend. So I had a friend who played. He was a Hendrix tone chasing. So he played left-handed guitar, Jim, right-handed, and he played a left. No, he played a right-handed guitar, left-handed. Okay. And um, he flipped strings, so that. Um, okay. It was the way Hendrix had it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of guys did it the other way. They just flipped them over, and they would play them strung up the right way, and everything. Yeah, so this guy was a lefty like Hendrix, so he would. String them. Um, you know, I, I I agree. The strings are really important. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that's like, you got to have the nickel strings to do this. We'll, we'll get into that when we do the string challenge. You'll see. Yep. We'll talk about what the, the different are Because we do have uh, one set of nickels that are going to be in there. Um, near ball slinkies that we're, we're running yeah. through that test. Yeah, we're putting um, slinkies in there, guys. So for the budget string lovers, there you go. The uh, the nickel the nickel strings will get you closer to that sound, but I think you can approximate that with um, some other things like the type of fuzz you use and all that. Um, the the Hendrix tone chasing thing for me, the biggest piece is understanding what amp he used for a particular sound, yep. because a lot of times we all think, oh, it was a hundred watt or a fifty watt plexi head, but he's using twins, deluxe reverbs. Um, fuzz pedals direct to the board. I mean, he's all over the place in the studio. When you listen to those records, you think it's one thing, but rarely is it that one thing. Yeah. Uh, even Baseman heads. Yep. Uh, Showman Fender Showman Sun. Yep. He had Sun amps. Well, there point. were yeah, there were times when he was he was doubling or covering the bass parts. Um, yeah. So, uh, staying with that, um, the guitar player, uh, the other guitar player in the band I'm in. Um, he uh, got a Jackson and he was like, man, my Jackson doesn't sound anywhere near as good as all these videos. He was looking at hundreds of videos that were 
it sounded great. He's like, God dang. And he said, he asked me, he says, you know, I, I know you're a gear hound. Should I change the strings out? I said, yeah, raise the action a little bit, put tens on it. Um, and he said, that was it. That was the difference. Yeah. Raise the action just a little. A lot of people want Raising that. Raising the action is a bigger deal than, than changing the string gauge, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm looking at, because a lot of people don't realize that, like who played on uh, some of the, the Jimi Hendrix stuff, and as we were talking about this, I looked up um, oh, yeah. all along the Watchtower, and it was Eddie Kramer yep. was the engineer, um, Noel Redding, yep. Dave Mason, um, Brian Jones, and uh, I can't remember his name. Um, oh yeah, Mason. Yeah, a lot of people don't know he was the guy on the uh, twelve string there. Uh, there's another. There's another. Um, there's another person that appears on that song, and he's he's hugely famous. He's done work with uh, Eric Clapton too. What is his name? Um, who's in the Spencer Davis group? Spencer. Um, no. Davis. I'm looking up the Spencer Davis group so I can track us back. Because when I say it, you'll be oh, like, wait, 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 I didn't wait. Know that. Oh, um, uh, uh, oh, Steve Linwood. I, I had it. Yeah, Steve Winwood played the, the rhythm guitar. You know, Bring me your high, your love. Yeah. And he, yeah. he was with so, Traffic, too, right? Wasn't he in Traffic? Yes. Yeah. Steve Winwood played the rhythm guitars on All Along the Watchtower. He, well, Mason played the 12-string, right? Wasn't he the acoustic guitar player on there? No. He played some other overdubs. Because I remember reading the story where... They were they were kind of recounting the details of how they recorded that record, and Jimmy got pissed because uh, Dave Mason kept messing it up or whatever. So he just handed the guitar to, to Steve Winwood. He said, "You do it." <laughs> Steve just played it, and Jimmy was like, "All right, that works." <laughs> really? Oh. That's why. That's what so, I heard. So Dave Mason's account is not quite as accurate as those. Outside. That's on. That's on Electric Ladyland, right? I th- I'm trying to think, I think what, so. what album that's from. I think yeah. So. so there's a you've got an issue of Guitar World somewhere that's the Electric Ladyland issue. Yes, and they go through it. That story is in there. Oh, well, you know I'm usually really good about recalling. I'm getting old, people. Um, those stories. I I know that Mason had said that he re, he tracked the twelve string acoustic. He may have here. done some of it on on it, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it made it to the final mix. But yeah, I'll have to reread that. I, I know exactly what issue I'm going to have to. Of course, now I gotta look at covers. I gotta go flip, 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 flip until I see the cover of that one. I know exactly the cover of it. It's got Hendrix on the cover. What? A Guitar World with Hendrix on the cover? No way. And um, uh, they they have him. Uh, I think the uh, I think the song, one of the songs of Hendrix's that's in there. I may as well pull it out anyway because I really want to redo. I used to know how to play his version of the uh, Star Spangled Banner. Kind of want to do that. Yeah. When I was a kid. I got. I tell you. So I've told you that there were a lot of rare guitars in my household when I was a kid, and my uncle, um, rest his soul, he. Um, I remember him playing uh, the, you know that that, um, on the on the broadcaster, he was playing right. um, that that song, the the Star Stickle Banner, and trying to get it Hendrix ish. Good. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna do that without a trim. <laughs> exactly. He didn't have a trim arm. There's two things. How are you gonna do the dive bombs? There's two missing. Two things he was missing. Hey, we 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 weren't that bright. Here's what he did. He put the headstock and pushed the headstock forward. I can't tell you how many Les Pauls I watched, where my my aunt who yeah, would play like a 
she just step down. Oh yeah, she'd take that guitar and then she'd just push that head stop. I was like, yeah, that glue joint's gonna give one of these days. Uh, oh my gosh! Well, we've it all said a it. lot to the it said a lot to that Les Paul that got that that got beat up and that and that broadcaster whose bolts never went pow. Well, yeah, don't bend your necks, people. Yeah, don't. don't I, I don't recommend. Don't do it. That. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Get yourself. Oh, wasn't it. there somebody that was asking us um, about uh, um, aftermarket? Whammy bars, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We had a discussion in the group. Um, there's a they were looking for a left-handed solution for an SG that would require no modification. There uh, is a company called Stets Bar. I was gonna say Stets Bar is the one that that came to mind immediately. <clears throat> and I remember now this was 15, 16 years ago, but I remember a guitar player in my band got one for his Les Paul. And because um, he wanted to be able to bend the Les Paul, but didn't want to put, obviously, you don't want to put any holes in it. You don't want to make any mods whatsoever for that guitar to change its value. So he got a Stets bar, and it really did. It was a form, fit, and function, just except, obviously, you could dive bomb it. The, time, the, the thing that I've always heard is that the Stets bar and where the arm sits and the amount of play... And all of that is really, it's only a detractor. And I've also heard that it can have tuning problems on certain instruments, depending on how good the quality hardware you're attaching. Which to. is why, um, if you're going to get, if you're going to, okay, there is a reason that a guitar has to be modded to have um, a, a bar on it. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. There is stability of play and tuning is one of them. If not the biggest one. It's why I have I have another friend who's got four four Les Pauls and three of them have uh, bars on them, but every one of them came that way. He didn't he didn't go yeah. dug out or anything. Yeah, I mean they do make Les Pauls, and actually I've seen some that are not even that expensive with a Floyd no, on them. No, he's got a he's got a Les Paul studio from mid two thousand mid two thousand like two thousand eight or two thousand six. But if, but let's face it, if you want a Les Paul with a trim, just buy a PRS. Bingo. I was going to say, buy a part because Ritzman. Because that guitar is designed to fit squarely between the Strat and the Les Paul. Um, buy a Tremonti model, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, uh, if you want to go single cut, right, you can go Tremonti. But single cut? Go double cut, get a custom 24. Right. That's my recommendation. Or a 22, if, depending on your slant. Well, now, but. okay, the biggest difference is the, the, the 22s and the 24s. The big thing a lot of people didn't realize was 22s didn't have... The dive bomb that the twenty four the 24s have. And there were no 22s, unless you went custom shop, with a Floyd Rose, where 24s True. had tw Floyd Roses on them. True. But, but now they've, they've changed that up. There was a time when you couldn't get a, a, 20 to a 22 um, in the core line was hardtail. There was a time where you couldn't buy a 22 in Illinois. Moving on. Ah! <laughs> ah, gun references. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least not a twenty-two pistol. Um, or a rifle, for that matter. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway, those are the uh, things we've got from the group. Um, you know, we... Uh, um, let me see if there's anything uh, else interesting. Um, somebody... Uh, you know, anybody that wants to post stuff that you want us to read about, um, give us a shout on the on the yeah, group. 
we're friendly. We talk. So. And we have, you know, we're, we're growing members. Um, uh, I'm growing to be in my balance. backyard right now. I got fertilizer and everything. Yeah, I got some right here underneath a lamp. Um, well, lamp, huh? <laughs> Man, I, did I ever tell you that story about the, uh, the guy I auditioned for? No. Putting together a band and he, like we went to his house and he was like clearly dealing weed out of his house and uh, like he brought out an Uzi that was fully automatic oh and put God. it on the table. And he's like, hey, look at this. Because he knew I'd like, you know, have a proclivity for fire. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, look at this. And I reckon the second I realized that it had a selector switch, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> like, in the back <laughs> of my mind, I'm going, I can't be here because I could be guilty by association. So therefore, exactly. That's not but we went in his basement where he was going to set up a studio and he had a big console down there and everything. And uh, there was a, and this was like a shack too. I mean, really bad house but anyway we're in his basement and there's a door that's like permanently locked like and there's glow lights coming out from underneath the door i'm like i wonder what's going on in there oh <laughs> you know? yeah yeah you don't want to in the stuff that like i work for the government and it would be difficult for me to be involved in a band that had that kind of thing going on it's just difficult to be involved in a band that has that thing kind of thing going on in general because the people are usually <clears> difficult <throat> The um, situation is usually compromised at that point. It's bad. We have um, so in the band I'm in, we have a um, an active duty doctor, right? Um, he's a physician in the Navy. I and our our bass player is an eighth grade school teacher. Okay. So we we don't. Let's just say that there is absolutely nothing about this group that. Um, would put us outside of the squeaky clean. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the professional. Yeah, truly professional. I mean, we wear a tie. We wear button up shirts. We speak nicely. We don't swear on stage. We. That's why I swear on his fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like holy crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy smokes, Batman! I I don't think I can control myself like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> to it's, be honest. Um, yeah, I had to go a week without swearing in front of my company's members. So, and you just said <laughs> members, oh, oh, members. Anyway, <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> Peavis and Butthead. For those who were around in the '90s and remember that, um, so I guess that's that's pretty much all the time we had. No, I, there was a thing I wanted to talk about, but we're not going to get to that. A short episode, Jim. A short episode, a but we'll get to episode. that. We'll get to that another topic another day. That's right. Because we're kind of we're kind of trying to. I don't know if you guys noticed, but we're kind of doing gear and not we're trying gear. To break things up a little bit. Yeah, because we're not just a gear podcast, and we don't want to be pigeonholed as that. So, and so we do have some some. Uh, Dave and I were talking. I'm not going to let anything out of the bag except we've got some videos coming. And these videos may or may not be... Oh, they're going to be fun. Hilarious. You guys yeah. are going to laugh. Because it's not going to be... It's not going to be what you expect. Yes. Yeah, so don't... Please don't take them for anything but in the vein in which they are uh, meant to be. Right. Uh, but we're going to be working on some videos that, that are... Uh, let's just say fun. We're hoping yep. that you enjoy them. Yep. Um, but... Outside of that, don't forget our string challenge. Don't forget that we're um, still fueled by Deathwish Coffee. Um, mm -hmm. Don't forget that uh, we are looking uh, to grow 
more each week. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell them, hey, if you're looking to listen to something that will put you sleep in a second, this is it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then tell them to listen to Slim Dog Chillionaire. Oh, my God. Exactly. Dog one. <laughs> so my name is Jim. My name is David. And I've been David, too, by the way. That's right. And I have been Jim for the last 50, almost 54 years. My birthday is coming up. So is your name really James, Jim? Yes, it is actually James Robert. Yes. So you've been James and Jim. I have been James and I have been Jim. Where your name is David and you've always been David. You don't go by Dave, do you? No, no. People. Well, I do because people call me that anyway. I I try not to. I my parents never, uh, they never called me by a shortened version of my name, so. Oh, you know, so, um, before I let everybody go, our guitar player's name is, or I mean, our bass player's name is Jack, and we've always known him as Jack, and then he wrote us checks, you know, for our portion of the, of the gig money last week, and he put John on it, and you're like, what? And the other guitarist goes, your name is John? <laughs> Said, yeah, you didn't know Jack was short for John, and how is Jack short for John? That's what I'm trying. What the to fuck? Know. There is no short. It's a one syllable word. This keeps me up at night. Four letter word is the is short for another four letter word. That's like that's like poop being short for shit. There's <laughs> no short. That's Jim. Come on, poop. Crap. That guy's pulling you guys' leg. No, it's it, no. Well, Jack is a is um is actually a moniker for John. Typically, somebody named Jack, not all of them, some people are born and named Jack, but John... You guys can't see this, but I'm face-pelming right now. I know! I know! <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it either. But I know a lot all of right. people whose name is Jack, whose real name is John. Can we do this again? I have been David. I have been James. And this is <laughs> the end of the night. Good, Good night, night everybody. <laughs>